this entire series uh, is found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, and it says this, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. There was a divine impartation from Jesus into us that we were enriched in everything by him even in all utterance and all knowledge, experiential knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in us, so that we come short in no gift. This is God's desire for us, that we would grow up into the full measure of the man being short in no grace, no gift, no endowment of the Spirit. That is our inheritance in Christ. You know, last week we talked about the gift of administration. It was the first gift we really uh, spoke for, about. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. It says, And God appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Uh, we talked about how that gift of administration is actually not as the world thinks of administration, but as God sees administration, which is the governing and governance of the body of Christ. It's actually one who has been equipped and anointed and appointed and empowered to steer a ship, like a, like a pilot or a captain of a ship would steer it. Um, a helmsman, if you will, who steers uh, the ship. It refers to a director who guides, administrates, and has the ability to give wise counsel. And so, um, obviously, you could catch that back on the replay on uh, uh, on the podcast. But today, we're going to be picking up with number two of the serving gifts, which is discernment. Today, we're going to be talking about the gift of discernment. And that can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 4 through 11. And it reads this, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. I, I love that because uh, really what he's saying here is that no ministry is greater than one or the other, but they are all by the same spirit and all bring glory to the same Lord. Uh, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So what is the manifestation of the Spirit in your life? What is its purpose for? It is for the profit of all it is not for you it is not for you to be puffed up it is not for you to look awesome receive the claps and praises of man but it is for the benefit of others i have not received 
a teaching gift or a preaching gift so that I can sound cool. I received a preaching gift and a teaching gift for the profit of all so that all can be made manifest into the full measure of the man Christ Jesus as are all of the diverse manifestations of the spirit we are reading here. One is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit. Wait a second. So if I have the gift of faith, that's not for me. No, it's for the profit of all. It does by default benefit the bearer of the gift, but that is not the purpose of the gift. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually as he wills or according to his will. He gives the gift to those he decides to give it to. It's not for us to judge or determine whether or not someone is worthy enough to have a gift or um, qualified enough to have a gift. And this can be tricky as gifts are without repentance. So uh, someone may receive a gift and then not live right yeah with the Lord and the Lord does not remove that gift from that person and they can still operate in that gift, but it is the spirit that can operate. Obviously we know that people can get twisted up and uh, get possessed or be tormented by spirits and, and they can try to invade and impose and work through those gifts. The same can be said about the discerning of spirits. So just like someone can have the gift of prophecy, yet be immature in the Lord and allow, uh, while they're giving a prophetic word, they allow the flesh or the soul to get involved. What am I talking about? I'm talking about I maybe hear a phrase from the Lord for you. What That is prophecy, right? I repeat what I hear from God and I come to say it to you. But I, I allow what I want for you, hope for you, or my opinion to get mixed up in the middle of my prophecy. The same trap lies in discerning of spirits. We must be mature in the gift. We must be mature in it. We must be able to recognize what is the voice of the Lord and what is our opinion or our thoughts. And I mean, I, every, I, it has been said in the world that everybody is entitled to an opinion. I know this. I know that anybody who loves the world has not the love of the father. So for me, I do not believe I am truly entitled to my own opinion. I believe that that needs to die and that I need to align what I think up with heaven. And if what I think contradicts what heaven thinks, I am wrong. I am never entitled to have any train of thought or quote unquote opinion that is anti-Jesus or anti-Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
actually, as we're going to discover, the discerning of, of spirits, part of that is being able to define, determine, and tell the difference between what is of God and what is not of God. This can be used both in our life and when we're receiving counsel and wisdom and things from other people. You'll be able to discern by what spirit they are speaking of. Are they speaking of their spirit? Are they speaking from a demonic spirit? Or are they speaking of by and by the Holy Spirit? Does that make sense? So this word discernment in the Greek is pronounced like this. Diakrisis or diakrisis. Diakrisis. And what it means is a distinguishing, a discerning, a judging, not for the passing of judgment on opinions. Check that out. As to which one is to be, fer, to, to be preferred as the more correct. So it is not a passing of judgment on which opinion is right or not, but it is a discerning of what spirit that opinion or idea or thought is originating from. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. You have a How question? You spell that? You're going to spell it D-I-A-K-R-I-S-I-S. Diacresis. It is a thorough judgment, a discernment or conclusion which distinguishes, check this out, lookalikes. Things that appear to be the same but are not. I define it as such. It's judging by a divine ability as to what is of God and what is not of God. So I'm going to say that again. A discernment or conclusion which distinguishes lookalikes, things that appear to be the same but are not. And again, my definition is, it is judging by a divine ability as to what is of God and what is not of God. Uh, here's an example in Scripture. 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 1-6 through 6 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Well, that tells me a couple of things. That tells me that I am subject to believing wrong spirits. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means that I have an ability, yes, to hear God, but I also have an ability to be deceived by a spirit is that, it, that is not from God, whether it be operating through a person mm -hmm. or an outside source or a passing by demon or one assigned to your life or whatever, whatever it may be. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. This also tells me that I have a responsibility to test the spirit. That this is not just, a, I don't just have a um, passive responsibility in the discerning of spirits. Mm -hmm. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And again, so here he's telling you uh, that men can speak by another spirit other than the Holy Spirit. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. If you remember the story of 
whenever I ran into the witch doctor and uh, we were battling kind of back and forth in the spirit uh, and I was, you know, releasing words of knowledge and he was kind of coming back at me with different stuff that whenever I mentioned the fact that God came in the flesh as Jesus Christ, he absolutely was against that. That is the Antichrist spirit. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's already active. The Antichrist spirit teaches, uh, imparts, suggests, and influences us to think or act in ways that are contrary to the nature of Christ. Anti-Christ. Get it? It's anti-Jesus. Anti-the person of who Christ is. Opposite of him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It can come in the form of truth about God, but void the nature of God. How do we know this? He called the Pharisees and the Sadducees who knew the word vipers, mm -hmm. sons of the devil. But they knew all about God, but they didn't have the wisdom of God because they did not fear God. They were not mindful of him and they did not intimately, personally know him. They had all these facts about God, yet when God walked before them in the flesh, they missed him. Then he goes on to say, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That tells me a couple of things. That tells me I don't have to be afraid of these other spirits. I have nothing to be afraid of. But it also tells me that if anything comes along and tries to convince me that the God in me is not greater than anything in this world, that that is not of God. It's a good indicator. If something's trying to throw some kind of shackle on you or, or point you to another truth, or another way to heaven, or another way to walk in holiness, or purity, or live from God, other than the work of the cross and the indwelling spirit in you, not of God. Not of God. Jesus did it, you didn't do it. Jesus is doing, you can't doing it, and you can't do it. And Jesus will do it, you won't. Matter of fact, jump to the end of the book, the, uh, Last final battle, we're all standing there, dressed for battle, and do we move a muscle? Absolutely not. The Son of the Living God opens his mouth, and they're all destroyed. It's always been about being in relationship with him and allowing him to do the work. He came, he left the throne, he walked on the earth, he lived sinless, he took the beating we deserved, he was whipped, ripped apart. He was nailed to that cross. He hung. He took the punishment for our sins. He bled. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected by the Spirit, becoming the firstborn so that we could be part of that family. He ascended. He's sitting there. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's praying for us. And he's coming back for us. 
and he sent the spirit to indwell inside of us. Actually, he said this. He said, it's better for you if I leave because then the Holy Ghost will come and will fill you. Do you understand that, that, that the power that lives in you, the spirit that is in you, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. That literally he who is in you, Jesus himself said, is more beneficial that that thing is in you, that person, the Holy Ghost, not a thing but a person, a being living inside of you. God in you is better than Jesus standing in front of you. That's mind-boggling. But that's what he said. Greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. What does this have to do with discerning of spirits? Because I want you, beloved, to be able to discern when someone tries to throw a burden upon you or something upon you that removes this truth, Antichrist. How do we know it's Antichrist? Because Jesus said it's better that he leave you and the Holy Spirit come. Your hope is Christ in you. How do we know that? Paul said it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. This is very key to discerning of spirits. <clears throat> they speak as of the world. What do we mean? The world is vulgar. The world is profane. Uh, Proverbs talks about those who lack prudence. Do you know what prudence is? Being a prude. You ever heard anybody say, being, you're a prude? Meaning, I don't find sexual morality. I don't find uh, sexual jokes and perversion hilarious. Because that's how the world thinks. It says, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. Here he says it again. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. If you're speaking of the Spirit and by the Spirit, and someone is not hearing what you're saying, listening to what you're saying, and you know it's by the Spirit and the Spirit, then you already automatically can know by the discerning of spirits, by according to scripture, they ain't hearing you. Something's off. <clears throat> he who is not of God does not hear us. The apostles, the Bible, the word of God. He who is not of God does not adhere to the doctrine of the apostles. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So again, here he's giving you two spirits that you must distinguish. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Error. Let's look at uh, a couple of examples in scripture. We'll be in Acts chapter 8, verses 20 through 23. Acts chapter 8, verses 20 through 23. Uh, this is right after um, Philip had been preaching and a great revival broke out and many came to Christ and the apostles came and they're laying hands on, uh, on people and they're coming under the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in unknown tongues, being baptized in the Spirit through the laying on of hands. 
And then Simon, the who was a sorcerer, sorcerer, but yet had repented, right? At least by mouth, had repented and said, I want to follow the way, sees that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit is falling on people, runs up to Peter and tries to pay them to lay hands on him so that uh, he could get this power that he would be able to lay his hands on people. And this is Peter's response. But Peter said to him, your money perishes with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Listen to this. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, God, if per perhaps the thought of your heart, the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Peter was operating in the discerning of spirits. He discerned that Simon was not of God, that his heart was not right in the sight of God, and that he was actually poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. This was not Peter's opinion. This was not Peter's assumption. This was not Peter saying, well, I see some behavior and I think you're acting this way. This was Peter operating in the gift of discernment and knowing that his heart was not right and that he was bound by bitterness and iniquity. Let's take another look at, at another example. Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not in your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Listen to this. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? To test the Spirit of the Lord. What is he saying discernment is? What did uh, John say? He said it's what? Test You'll the test the spirits. He's saying test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all the all who heard these things. So again, Peter is saying this. He's saying, why has Satan filled your heart? So here he is operating in the gift of discerning of spirits and understanding what is in the heart of a person. By which spirit are they operating in? 
He recognized you ha- Satan has deceived you and now you're operating in uh in the, the spirit of Satan and not the, by the spirit of God. I just was brought to my remembrance by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Of the time when Peter is saying to Jesus, and Jesus is telling them, I have to go and die. And Peter's like, no, Lord, not so. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Which lets you know that just because somebody is under the influence of a spirit, not of God, at one point, doesn't mean that they're done and over with and that we... Um, treat them and cast them completely aside and throw them completely away. If that's the case, Peter never would have ended up being restored. We never would have the book of Peter. We never would even have this story. But thank God that that's not the way the gift of uh, discerning of spirits uh, is used and what it's meant to be used for. It's meant to be used uh, to discern what is of God and what is not of God. And it has a purpose in that, and I'll, I'll get to it in a moment. Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 16 will be our next portion of scripture. This shows another attribute of the discerning of spirits. And that attribute of discerning of spirits is, is is to not only know whether they are of God or not of God, but to know what type of spirit is at work. If you remember in 1 John, we read, he said, so you'll know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So let's read Acts 16, 16, see what it says. Now it happened as we went to pray, there a certain slave girl, listen to this, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So they were by the gift of the discerning of spirits able to tell not only that she was possessed, but by what spirit she was possessed by. You'll see it all throughout scripture where Jesus uh, knew and the disciples knew and it's recorded all through the gospels, whether it was a spirit of infirmity, whether it was an unclean spirit. And you'll see all these different names and you'll understand what kind of spirit is tormenting and possessing them. And again, there is a purpose, which I'll get to in a moment, but the gift of discerning of spirits will allow you to not only determine whether or not something is of God or not of God, but when it's not of God, what kind of spirit is at work? Remember it said the discerning of spirits. Then uh, let's look at John chapter 2, verse 25. And it says this, Jesus had no need that anyone should testify of a man For he knew what was in man. Another translation says, in the heart of a man. Sounds very familiar to Peter and Ananias and Sapphira. I knew what's in your heart. To Peter and Simon the sorcerer. I know what's in your heart. Bitterness and iniquity. I discern by what spirit you are operating in and what's inside of your heart. Sometimes this will manifest in the form of you may hear a thought or, and it's not mind reading. Again, it's the discerning of, of spirits, but spirits, including the Holy Spirit, often operate by thoughts, suggestions, and ideas. Sometimes the voice of God sounds like thoughts that happen upon your mind. The enemy cannot create anything new, so he just mimic, mimics it, and it's a different spirit. Um, I, will, I will talk not from scripture, but from experience now. There are other types of ways to discern spirits 
some people sense and feel. Um, so God created a man and a woman, right? And God gave you smell. God gave you touch. God gave you feelings. God gave you uh, five senses, if you will, right? Well, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, those senses were originally designed for you to encounter and know God. Mm -hmm. How do we know that? Because if you look at the garden, God created Adam for himself. It was Adam and God before it was ever God, Adam, and Eve. So every part of Adam is created to experience and know God. Then God goes, oh, it's not good for man to be alone. How did he know that? Because he remembered what life was like without Adam. And he wanted Adam to experience companionship just like he has with us. Again, that's why we, we're called the, we are the bride of Christ. God wanted man to experience bride. He wanted the bride to experience a husband that we would know companionship. That's why he created a, a, a woman. We see it in scripture, right? But before that, your sense, your smell, your touch, all that was created for one purpose, to know and be known by God. So it's still that way now. When you get born again and filled with the spirit, your senses, the Bible says this, as you mature, your, Paul said it like this. He says, your senses mature and you can discern your, and, and know spiritually as your senses mature. Does that make sense? As you mature, your senses, I can't remember the exact scripture. I'd have to go look it up, but that's what it's saying. That having your senses matured, you're able to discern what is good and what is evil. What is of God and what is not of God. And so some of you may have been walking through a store or uh, in church service and somebody comes in and you get an eerie off feeling or mm -hmm. icky or something doesn't just something doesn't feel right that is not you you are picking up on a, another spirit that is not of God it doesn't feel right some of you have heard teachings and prophecy and you're like I don't know sounded like God but didn't feel right mm -hmm. does that make sense that is your senses being matured and heightened, able to discern what is of God and what is not of God. Some people, I've heard of it. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but some people smell smells. I've heard of that. Uh, they'll smell sulfur or an odor, and that's how God discerns, uh, uses the discerning of spirits with them. I will often hear a phrase or a thought um, It can manifest like this. Uh, I'm going to lay a little bit of doctrine before I, uh, before I go into this. So understand that when you were born again, we know we were born again, we received a new nature, and we received the mind of Christ. So any thought that you have that doesn't match up to Christ is not yours. Mm -hmm. And you have every right to reject it. Mm -hmm. That's not your own, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have what? The mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. Your mind being renewed is what? That you would stop thinking and trying to use the old mind and use the new mind that you actually got when you got born again. Because you got a new nature, a new uh, heart. Your spirit was made new. You got Christ's nature and you got Christ's mind. Mm -hmm. So... Some of you may be able to relate to this. And I, I, I really want to say that because it, it makes sense now of what I'm going to say. 
Sometimes you can literally sit down the next, next to somebody on a bench and all of a sudden you get pornographic images in your mind. And some of you have been like, what the heck is wrong with me? Why am I thinking this? But it's not actually you right. thinking it. You're actually by the spirit discerning what they're under, they're under oppression right. from. Yeah. Mm. Right. And you're picking it up. And what's the purpose? I'm going to get to the purpose of the gifts of the discerning spirits in a moment. I just want to lay the foundation of kind of how it operates so that you can start to recognize it. You may get around somebody and all of a sudden feel extremely anxious. Not you. Anxiety is not yours. Okay? How in the world are you going to tell me that anxiety can dwell someplace where the Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning? If Christ in you is the hope of glory and he is the Prince of Peace, then how in the world will you ever take part of anxiety and say it's mine and I just deal with anxiety? Don't take ownership of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You push that away. The, the scriptures are very clear in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing. Mm -hmm. Same with depression. Same with fear. You may sit down all of a sudden, or you walk into a place and all of a sudden fear. Oh my God, why? Oh, oh, oh. You are discerning what spirit is at work in that place oh, or in people. Does that make sense? So what's the purpose of all this? The purpose of the gift of discerning of spirits is to protect destiny. To offer guidance. To protect God's flock. And to bring healing and deliverance. So the gift of discernment in the context of protecting destiny. Maybe I'm thinking about dating somebody. Maybe I'm thinking about doing ministry with somebody. Maybe I'm thinking about linking up and allowing their name to be tied to my name. And I get around them and I discern that something is off. Does that mean that God doesn't love that person or care about that person? No. And it doesn't mean that I need to treat them like they have the plague. It's not for that, but it is for protection. It does mean that I'm not going to link up with them. Maybe I get around somebody and I discern that they're having thoughts of ambition. Does that make sense? Because let me tell you, zeal and ambition can look a whole lot alike. But I discern something's off. It's not just the zeal of the Lord that they're operating in. It's ambition. I'm not going to link up and do ministry with you or do a conference with you or all this stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? God is protecting mm -hmm. because their fruit, that thing will produce fruit in your life and their life. And it won't be good. It will be anti-Christ. And I don't want it. It will be anti the nature of Christ. And God will use this to protect your destiny. You may walk into a job interview and since something is off God is protecting you he is shielding you so it is also for our benefit and that's really where it falls in a line of, of benefiting us if you find yourself hearing thoughts or knowing what's in the heart of man is a better term that's what Jesus knew what was in the heart of a man Peter knew what was in Ananias's heart and Sapphira's heart. He knew what was in Simon Sorcerer's heart. If you find yourself knowing that, what did Peter do? Peter's like, yeah, I ain't not laying hands. I'm not giving you impartation of this gift. I know what's in your heart. He's protecting what he has. He's not casting his pearls before swine. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
That's how it benefits you. But again, these gifts are given primarily to benefit others. However, that by default can help you navigate life, make better decisions, people you're going to link up with, friends, different things like that, um, dating, all that stuff. Uh, it also allows you to offer guidance and assist others. So when you operate in the gift of discernment, again, it's not always in this, I'm cutting you out of my life thing, okay? So I will tell you this, in the role of a servant within this house, if you come to me for counsel, as many of you have, or come to Sarah or many others as for counsel, and by the gift of discernment, we realize that there's something in your heart, okay, that maybe doesn't line up with Christ's nature. And if we're honest, we all have stuff that we haven't yet matured into or we're still growing in. But maybe I discern that you have a whole lot of zeal that is of God and want to do things for God, but there's lacking wisdom. And I'm able to discern by the Spirit that you are operating in zeal, but you are lacking wisdom. What is wisdom? How to rightly apply the knowledge you know about God. So you may know a lot about God. You may be zealous for God. You may be fervent and passionate for the things of God. But the way that you are going about being passionate for God is actually not in a way God would want you to go about. And I'm able to discern that by the discerning of spirits and help you adjust course and invite you into the right way of thinking and being of the right spirit. Does that make sense? If I'm doing marriage counseling and I discern that the wife still has a root of bitterness towards her husband and I discern that I am then actually able to minister and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm able to minister healing and deliverance by identifying that thing, walking through some repentance, shutting the door, if you will, that thing's pulled out and now there's breakthrough in the marriage. So it wasn't so that I condemn her and push her down, but it's so I can grab her and pull that thing out and pull her up from it or him from it or vice versa. Does that make sense? It is to protect the flock of God. So as leaders, servants, brothers, and sisters, Okay, especially like single ladies, single men, I start to see a woman sniffing around my brother Chris over here. And I'm like, nope, you know, and Chris, like, she fine. So if we're honest, his sniffer might be a little broke when it comes to her. You know what I'm saying? But mine ain't, you know, and I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I already know. And she putting on a mask, talking about she loves the Lord Jesus. But, I, but I'm noticing what? I'm noticing that. That she she hears yeah. as the world hears, talks yeah. as the world yeah. talks, finds the stuff for the world funny. And I'm like, I can come in and say, hey, bro, I love you, man. But I don't think she's the one, man. Or at least not yet. You might want to, you know, hold on. And we can protect each other. Protect family. Discern. Does that make sense? Yeah. That is, and it's, that's what it's meant for in the aspect of serving, which is the context we're teaching on. It is, at, that's why I've, I'm defining it by the Holy Spirit as a serving gift because it is meant to serve within the body. And it is actually very key in the body. And again, that doesn't mean that we cast that girl off. But what it does is we're able to offer wise counsel to Chris. Maybe like, hey, not right now. Let, let the Lord do some work. You know, um, uh, also what the gift of discernment can do is the dis gift of discernment can allow you to identify the work of the Spirit in somebody's life. Yeah. What do I mean? Because again, it's, you're discerning what is of God and what is not of God. This is what I mean. A new believer 
may still have some things that you know is maybe not right, but you're seeing the fruit of God in their life and you're able to rightly defy what is soul and what is spirit and look at it according to the word and go, oh, but I can still see God is working in them. So they are abiding in the vine. They're just a baby, you know, and babes in Christ still poop themselves. They still pee, you know, they still get messy. They throw up all over the place, you know, and the, the gift of discernment will allow you to discern, wait a second, God is moving in their life, even though it doesn't look like this. So maybe you bring in a family member, or maybe you bring in somebody uh, that's new in the Lord, and you have all this knowledge of, wait, I know this is right, and this is not right, and this is right, but but they're not doing those things. But you're able by the gift of discernment to notice, though, but God is convicting them, and God is moving in their life. I need to back off for a minute and let God move and God work, right? Amen? Say you got a couple living together unmarried and they come in the church, right? I need the gift of discernment on when to have a conversation and say, hey, you know, maybe now's the time for you guys to stop doing that because God's not okay with that. But if I go up to them on day one and start bringing the hammer of the word and start saying you're wrong, da, 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 and I don't discern the time or the work of the spirit in that moment, I could run them off when the Holy Spirit is doing the work. And we just got done saying it's not me and it's not you. It's not by might. It's not by strength. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I can get in pit and get in the way of the work of the Holy Ghost. This is how the gift of discernment can serve young believers, new believers. How, why all of us really, as we begin to serve and lead, need to know and operate in the gift of discernment. Because you're going to need to discern. And guess what? There may come a time where you need to go have that conversation. But you've got to be able to discern when the time is. And again, that goes into word of wisdom. And we're not getting into that today. Uh, and the last and final um, thing I want to talk about, or I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring up concerning the gift of discernment is in the area of healing and deliverance. So if we're doing demonic deliverance, somebody is demonically oppressed or possessed or obsessed, um, we can't, do you know what demonic obsession is? Demonic obsession is you become so obsessed with a certain thing that now demons have actually attached to it and they, they are oppressing you because you are so obsessed with it. This happens often with, um, you, you know, Chris, like some people that be watching Dragon Ball Z or like this thing or that thing, and they become so obsessed with it, they begin to live in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. You can become demonically obsessed. Mm -hmm. You know, some people have done it with that, um, what's that show, uh, The Walking Dead, you know, different things like that. And the next thing you know, they're like driving around with the zombie, like whole thing, like they're living in a zombie apocalypse. And they're like, you know, I mean, I'm being for real and I'm not condemning. I'm, I'm being for real though. Yeah, I've seen it. They get so caught up in a fantasy world that they start, it starts to change the way they live. That's being demonically obsessed. Yeah, it's an obsession that brings an oppression that can lead to a possession. Being demonically possessed means a demon is able to actually take control of you. That's the difference between an oppression and a possession. Oppression comes on the outside and it like latches onto you, yeah. uh, and it, and you feel like something's on like a monkey on your back, yeah. you know, and it breathes on you, and there's a lot of emotion involved, and you get just angry and you can't shake it, and and all these things are it leads into sexual morality and different yeah. things like that. Possess means that's often you'll find this attached to possession. I could not help myself. 
control. Yeah, they don't have any control. If you hear, that's a good keyword. Well, I just can't help it. Well, <laughs> there might be something there and you need to discern by the spirit and then you can bring deliverance. Also, when it goes back to knowing what type of spirit is, un, a spirit of uncleanliness, a spirit of lust, uh, you know, a sexual or sexual morality, all these <coughs> different things. You know, we can discern what spirit it is in order to pull it out. And, and again, not always do they say the name of the spirit, but, but we do see it. It's, we don't want to make a formula out of it, uh, but it is in Scripture. And they have called, I mean, they knew that woman had a spirit of divination. The Holy Spirit, who penned the Bible, thought it important to list it there. So we ought to pay attention to it. Also with healing, I can discern what is ailing you. I need to have the gift of discernment to know, is it a sickness in your body, your soul, or your spirit? Mm -hmm. Is it a sickness or is it a spirit of infirmity? Mm -hmm. I need to be able to discern mm -hmm. one or the other because then it's no longer a prayer of healing. Right. It's a prayer of deliverance. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Yes. yes. This is the full spectrum of the gift of discernment. And in the good context, it's also being able to recognize people are uh, of God. I, I would take you back to um, our relationship with Josiah. I was able to identify by discernment that he is of God and that it's good, you know. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, sometimes we miss it and we can get duped and people can, you know, but we're ever growing in it. And also, too, you never want to let the gift of discernment um, be an excuse to not have love. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to err in this, better to err on believing the best in mercy and love. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we don't want to be <clears throat> so gullible as to not use the gift of discernment. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to pray a corporate prayer, and then we're going to go into just a time of impartation. And it, you see this where Paul says, I want to come to you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. Yeah. And again, we, we read at the beginning of this teaching that, you know, by the grace given by God that we would lack no gift. And I really believe this is an important serving yeah. gift in our body, especially among those of you that are going to be volunteering and things like this. We want to be able to operate in the gift of a discernment. And again, with the heart of benefiting others, not ostracizing them or pushing them away, you know. Right. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit, God. I thank you that the spirit brings life to the word. And God, right now, I pray for an impartation of the gift of discerning of spirits. Release it right now. Right now, God, that you would do it. Holy Spirit, as you will, you would release it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.